Welcome to Rocketman Explores, where we voyage forth and delve into the world of sci-fi. But wait a minute! Ever wondered when the internet is going to get tired of us and just come and kill us all? Well, so have I. But then again, maybe it'll just be happy and send us cats for the rest of our lives. Tune in as we figure out AI. Friend, foe, or disinterested god. Much like cats. Hello, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between, and welcome to another episode of Rocket Man Explores. I hope you guys are all curling up with the lovely Reaper drink that Chris kindly showed us last week. I know I am, because I found it particularly good. And if we're going to get into really intense genocidal robots, we might as well have some alcohol while we're doing it. Because today, folks, we're going a bit outside, uh, a bit outside the norm for Rocket Man. It's the first time we are not talking about television or movies. We are getting into video games. And in particular, we are getting into one of the most epic and pretty much well-received trilogies in video games of all time. We're talking about Mass Effect. And today I have a very special guest with me. She's a very good friend of mine and is probably one of the most Mass Effect-obsessed people well, I know, I know, but probably anybody knows. And it's my good friend, Samantha. Sam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to, we're going to get so fun. It, yeah, we're going to get super nerdy. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> what so, a better way to spend a Friday night, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? Well, I mean, in pandemic times, this is, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, like <laughs> this is the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> Sit inside. Talk to... I get to talk about video games. Exactly. You know, we can't ask for more. <laughs> so, do, for our listeners, I'm sure, you know, based on the demographics of who listens to this, I bet most of our listeners know what Mass Effect is. But for for the some that don't, uh, Mass Effect is a series of video games, uh, a trilogy, in fact, because we're going to there's a, another one, Mass Effect Andromeda. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen because <laughs> for this discussion, it is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with artificial intelligence. It takes place a couple hundred years in the future. Uh, humanity has spread amongst the stars. There are multiple different alien races and uh, we're sort of an up and coming bunch. And it starts off with this one particular badass Commander Shepard, uh, gender indeterminate because it's whatever you want. You can be a guy, you can be a girl. And yeah, we start off with sort of a mystery. And the very first things we do is, in fact, encounter a hostile artificial intelligence, the Geth. And I, I can't get into the entire story because it's about like it's hun literally hundreds of hours of gameplay. So trying to encapsulate it's not the same thing as encapsulating 30 minutes of television. It's it's hundreds of hours of storytelling. But suffice to say that over the course of the three games, we encounter multiple different iterations of artificial intelligence and that's what i find interesting and why i wanted to talk about it is it's not just one there are multiple different types of artificial intelligence and they're presented very differently they're they act very differently and they sort of have very different ethoses and philosophies so i wanted to get into that and the first ones the ones that we meet very first are the geth so uh sam why don't you lay it up to me who are the geth okay so the geth are just do we go like into the backstory? So the Geth were essentially briefly, yeah, yeah. They're they're um, a robotic race, for lack of a better description, that were originally yep. conceptualized to be used as uh, slave labor for the Quarians, who are another alien race that exists in this world. And yep. they were 
eventually, well, they were virtual intelligence, but they eventually gained consciousness and then switched artificial intelligence and they rebelled against the Quarians, thus leading to the Quarian War and all kinds of shenanigans that we don't have time to talk about right now. But then they become an independent race in open rebellion against their masters, for lack of a better term for it. Yeah. And but you're right. There's a lot of lack of better terms because it's far more nuanced than that straightforward yeah. sort of explanation. Says. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of the- lore that comes into it. But the more like black and white version is they were created. They rebelled. Sorry, they became sentient. Yeah. They rebelled. Exactly. Exactly. And but what I find interesting about them is, I mean, there's a lot of things, but their description how they work is unlike is unlike any other artificial intelligence that i've that you really encounter in fiction you know they're not they're not a skynet they're not a terminator not no. anything like that their their idea is that they're individual software programs and any one of them isn't actually enough to constitute as an intelligence but they have a sort of gestalt way of functioning where the more of them they put together and the more power they're able to devote to any particular task the more and more they're able to compute until for all intents and purposes they achieve they achieve a critical mass and achieve sentience or even then beyond that but they function as it's not even like drones but they function as individualized programs that all then combine to work on a greater whole yeah they're like individual parts of a greater collective and that greater collective is the geth yeah like you encounter a lot of the geth have a lot of sort of bodies like any cybernetic body a la terminator a la like ex machina anything like that they have bodies but they themselves when you talk to them describe it it's not a geth in a body that body isn't a representation of them within that body are sometimes up to hundreds of different geth subroutines that constitute that particular piece of their consciousness's sort of manifestation in space if you will that's it's it's a weird way of saying it but it's it's hard to describe but that's it it's not (laughs) one brain within this body each body is just a multitude of subroutines working together Exactly. And that's why when it's really interesting when you meet Legion, because he kind of has more of these consciousness. And so he's kind of attained almost like a higher level. And so you finally you meet a guest where you're just like, oh, this is what like full sentience almost looks like. But the rest of the guests haven't achieved it yet. It's just mind blowing the way that Bioware was able to sort of layer in these different levels of it within one race of, of sentient robotics. Yeah. They're 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 They have multiple sort of different levels of sentience within their own functionality. And the vast majority of the time, they're not, they, they've built bodies to interact with like other species and fight other species and things like that. But it's implied that the vast majority of the time, they're basically just sitting in gigantic server farms. That's what they are. Is they're they're more or less just like gigantic sort of servers, but they combine elements of being able to then physically interact with everything as well. Uh, And of course, the other all the other races in the galaxy view them as like the biggest threat that the universe has ever seen. But it comes about that they have. I want to talk about this because it's 
it's very common in fiction with artificial intelligence that artificial intelligence wants to murder us. That's sort yeah, of like they want the established you. understanding. It they want to they want to kill us. They want yeah. to absolutely they, they they always do. You know, I mean, I don't want to blame it entirely on Terminator, but Terminators had a bit. You know, <laughs> but it, it goes it goes back further. I mean, in a previous yeah. episode, we talked about HAL nine thousand all the way back to two thousand and one. Uh, computers have always been viewed as like something that will never really try to destroy us. And when you're first introduced to the Geth, they're exactly the same. But as you progress and learn about them, you realize that that's not the case, that they didn't choose to rebel. They were attacked first. When they declared sentience, the Quarians freaked out to the point that yeah. they decided to eradicate them. And all they've ever done is act in self-defense. And the, the second, the second that... They'd become, that they make it clear that they don't want to fight and that the other races accept that they don't want to fight, they stop fighting. The, the, the what, nanosecond. That's it. That's why I always have such sympathy for the guests. They finally achieve sentience. They are a people now, and they yep. want to be recognized as such. And then they just start getting murdered in droves and because they're not in the role that they were created to be working in. And it's just like, oh my goodness, you guys got a raw deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I like that again, bucking sort of genre convention trends. Yeah. The second that any, everyone accepts that they aren't just out to murder everyone, they go, okay, great. And immediately start hopping. They don't hold a grudge. There is no grudges whatsoever. No. Like, and it because also makes you feel sympathy for yeah. the artificial intelligence race whereas for the most yeah. part you're supposed to feel fear or like you're rejecting them but you at least for my part i was just, yeah i feel for these guys i want to be on their side but the reason why you would feel fear for an artificial intelligence race is that again interestingly unlike in almost every sort of form of uh, media involving artificial intelligence there's generally one artificial intelligence one sort of monolithic artificial intelligence uh again uh mass effect not the case because the thing that yeah. you should be afraid of is not the gas it's a completely different artificial intelligence race known as the reapers we're probably gonna get pretty deep into this uh, I love because I, I yeah i had i have a suspicion the reapers are an artificial are a Artificial intelligence is difficult to quantify in their case. They are a synthetic race. And they were originally artificially created, but how they propagate isn't through programming or anything like that. So it's they're a difficult thing to quantify. I would still say that they're an artificial intelligence, but they're a fairly unique artificial intelligence. And they yes. are... But they are the representation of omnicidal artificial intelligence. Their entire purpose is to completely and utterly eradicate biological life. That's what they do. They're extremely good at it. And the rest of the, when they're not doing that, they live in the dark spaces between the galaxy. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, they basically, they keep the balance between synthetic life and organic life in check. And basically... Well, that's what they say. That's what they say they do. <laughs> so, but like, how would you qualify them then as okay. like, would you say they're a pure artificial intelligence? Like, how would, how would you quantify them? The Reapers don't, 
essentially have that one key component of being an art, being true AI of free will, of sentient, because they do with, exist within their programming, but their directives stay the same. However, I, wh- what I would say to that is that it's within their programming, but in in much the same way as like, I almost look at it in the same way that like human beings, we are an intelligence, right? We have free will and such, but we still have like baseline biological programming of what it is we want to do. Most of us like, you know, are how to reproduce or this, that, and the other. And I feel that like, it's just that for the Reapers, what their baseline programming, like it's it, it, every living race has instincts and things and it just so happens that theirs which is something that's sort of beyond what it is that they can do happens to be what their baseline programming was initially for but they have such leeway to operate within that and it's not only that they have leeway to operate within that is they are all can they do it because they're convinced that it's the right thing to do so irregardless of whether they've been programmed to do it or not they all do it because that's what they know is right If that makes sense. For instance, are they artificial intelligence? Because let's get into a bit on how they're created. They're not programmed. They're not. They're also difficult to say whether they're artificial intelligence because they're not programmed. They're created by essentially melting down an entire species and distilling their genetic essence and such into a synthetic body. And they desc- they describe themselves as each one of them is an entire race unto itself. The first, the very first one we ever meet in the games calls itself sovereign because it describes itself as a sovereign nation into itself because it is the entirety of a species distilled into one thing. We meet and him so, when we meet Theron, right? Correct. Exactly. Well, yeah. when, when you have the conversation with him after yeah, you're yeah. when you're about to blow the place up after you told the. Um, after you've told the secretary to run away and then you have a conversation, <laughs> that's what he describes himself as. He calls himself sovereign and says, I am as a sovereign race. Like I, I am an entire like sovereign nation onto myself. Like you cannot. And then a lot of like cryptic shit, like you cannot even comprehend sort of like the majesty of what it is that I am and that kind of thing. But that's yeah. their essential essentialities. They describe themselves, as you say, they describe themselves as preserving because what they do is melt down an entire race turn them into one of themselves and sort of retain it's implied that retain a certain amount of like the racial memory and thought processes and processes and such of those of that race. But they do that by killing the entirety. They do that by killing everybody. So, you know, Obviously, most people would agree, would disagree with that as, you know, like, like, no, I'd prefer to remain myself rather than be melted down. But it sort of comes into question of whether or not they're even an art of they are an artificial intelligence, because but they're not yeah. created in the same way as most artificial intelligence. They're not they're not programmed per se. No. And this is the beauty of Mass Effect because it's it's so yeah. nuanced and it's so like these conversations that we're having now, like there's, there's so many choices yeah. that you can be, that can be made for either side. And I feel like that's why this game is just such a masterpiece when it comes to tackling this specific yeah. topic. It's just, it's like, is it, isn't it? Here's cases for both. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and they're and they're contrasted very well with you know they're, they're, regardless of whether or not ultimately their free will matters. They are viewed as like they're incredibly intelligent. They are incredibly powerful. They're ancient. Like yeah, they're implied they're to be possibly possibly millions and millions of years old. Uh, even and uh, the reason why. Uh, they come into the same stories as the Geth is that the Geth very much view them as essentially almost gods in, in much the same way that we view, you know, gods, most of the stories of gods, except for Christianity, but anything that's polytheistic, the gods still act like us. It's just, they're stupidly more powerful. They live, exist an entire higher plane of existence. And for all intents and purposes yeah. for the Geth, the Reapers are gods. They're still them somewhat they're still an artificial intelligence but their capabilities and powers are so much beyond them that they're it's it, they're basically one of them is like zeus trolling around amongst the greeks essentially except Pretty that they much. actually are they're there they exist and of course the reapers created the citadel so like this yeah. the knowledge that is instilled within these creatures to be able to create something like the citadel which is just a accomplishment of technology is so interesting that the, these machines that are essentially destruction can also build something that's just so crucial to the universe that we get dropped into when we play Mass Effect. Well, except, of course, it comes out that the reason they have done that, to give a bit of backstory, listeners, the Citadel <laughs> is this massive construction in space. My it's God. essentially a it's essentially an artificial not even city, an artificial, like multiple, basically an artificial East Coast, the United States, multiple yeah. cities put together. It's at the hub of every Mass Effect network, which is the relay that you use to get around faster than light, which again are these ancient constructs that allow you to go faster than light, but they're ancient. They've been around a long time. And it comes to pass that the Reapers built both the Mass Effect re relays and the Citadel because it forces anyone who finds them immediately starts to develop their technology along those lines because it makes sense. There it is. It's, it's right there. Exactly. Why wouldn't you ever use that? But what that means is that more or less organic life always develops in a way that they expect. And so they're always easy to handle because they automatically know what it is they're going to be dealing with because yes. their technology always develops along the lines that the Reapers wanted. So the Citadel is for all intents and purposes, a gigantic trap. That's in that it always directs the galaxy towards a way that leaves them vulnerable. That's true. And it makes the evolutionary timeline a little predictable since they know what the starting point is going to be. Yes, exactly. They know what the start they know what the starting point for most races technology is and how they're going to go about it. It makes things predictable. They're still super cool though. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's the interesting thing is that they, you know, it's it's a very clever trap. It's one of the yeah. cleverest traps you could ever. It's a trap on a galactic time scale, which is an interesting thing to come up with just from a design perspective. But then what I like is that eventually you can convince the Geth, the initial AI race, will eventually rebel as well. They will go against the Reapers because... Essentially, they get convinced that their gods are wrong, that the gods are the yeah. gods are evil. They do not have their best interests at heart. That and they. Uh, 
I love the nuance of being able to convince a synthetic race of something because it just adds another layer to that artificial intelligence of they have this belief that is programmed into them, but through the course of the game and through your case with the guest, you are able to help them deduce logic and then come over to your side if you play it that way. And so it's just another interesting way that you can interact with artificial intelligence in the series yeah exactly it's it's and uh it's an amazing game everyone should play yeah everyone should play it everyone should play the game if you like space operas go play mass effect correct exactly just as well and it just so happens a little side note listeners we are in fact recording this on the day that the uh legendary edition comes out so uh, if any of you are thinking of getting it, yeah, give it this list and then uh, check it out because uh, you won't regret yeah, it. It'll, it. No, you won't regret it. It'll be pretty cool. In the end, though, what I'm curious about, I guess, is out of the two sort of like, I guess, visions of artificial intelligence that they are presented, I find the guess sort of in the end, the more not likely, but. I guess likely, yeah, is that they're, they're, it's a different take on artificial intelligence, but it's one that I find sort of like entirely possible, you know, like the, yeah, especially I, their idea of distributed intelligence and things like that is uh, sort of not dissimilar to how, you know, to, to things that artificial intelligence is, uh, people currently talking about artificial intelligence are thinking of, you know? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that the guess, it might hit home for those of us who kind of are into the idea of artificial intelligence in our lifetime, like true artificial intelligence in our lifetime. Because, yeah. you know, it, you're creating a synthetic being for a specific purpose. They eventually evolve past that purpose, purpose and achieve consciousness and then want to be independent of that original role they were created for and a timeline like that would just be so cool and definitely plausible as even the fact of like rebelling but then understanding where that other side is coming from and trying to quell a rebellion if you will is definitely I think plausible within the realm of what we're developing AI for yeah yeah a (laughs) hundred percent Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it, it's I, I keep joking on this podcast that it's the next destructive uh, thing to visit us because you know why not? We we might as well just keep having more and more and more uh, just like you know world-ending things occur. Why not? So why why not? In the year of our Lord, twenty twenty-one, let's go. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we had the, we we've had the plague, you know, yeah. we're. we're we're overdue for something else let's make it spicy uh, though let's bring robots into it yeah exactly right you know like (laughs) come on make it make it uh just make it even more intense right and if i had to choose between the reapers and the guests i'm gonna pick the guests like that's a no-brainer precisely so because the reapers were created it's interesting the reaper the idea the reapers were created Based on this dichotomy, this idea that in fiction, almost always, it's assumed that synthetic life 
will attempt to murder us, will will attempt to kill all of us. That's almost yeah. always assumed. And Mass Effect takes that idea and runs with it. The Reapers were created because of that assumption. And the assumption is that synthetic life will always win. Yeah. And so the only way to preserve organic life was to do it in the way that we described, just to basically melt everyone down and turn it into a synthetic version of itself so that they don't get destroyed. Which and is, then another race can come in and try again. Yeah, precisely. Can try again and see how it works. But they sort of been caught in this loop of that never... They don't allow that to happen because they always no. show up just to wreck everybody's shit. As Mass it, Effect 3 goes to show, yes, it does. Yeah, precisely. Is that it's 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 it becomes they become their own self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Which I don't think they even realize. Yeah, they don't even realize they have, but that's what they're doing, is they've become a self they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because they just, you know, they, they never allow anything to occur to even see if they're right or not. And then that brings up the question, too, is if they're artificial intelligence and they're not questioning themselves or their actions, are they just sophisticated virtual intelligence? It, it yeah. comes around all the time. Precisely. Whereas the guests do question themselves regularly. Uh, yeah. Case in point, when you're able to convince them to abandon the old machines and denounce their gods and come over and help you, they are showing that they have logic and reason and they can process, whereas the Reapers are just like, this is my job and this is how I do it and it's always been this way and it'll always be this way. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, you're right. That's if anything, you're right. That that's the that's probably out of the two. That's the one thing that really shows which one is a true artificial intelligence is that you can't you don't to end the game. You don't convince the Reapers to stand down. You essentially no. reprogram them. Exactly. Whereas the Geth, you convince. Exactly. The guests have already gone through this amazing journey before you even get to them. And then you get to do so much more with them over the course of the game. And so it really does show the dichotomy between true artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, sophisticated virtual intelligence. And it's all layered and nuanced. And the lore is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. So yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Plus, it's so like. You know, you can. All right. So let's get a bit nerdy. Just, uh, you know, uh, it's not strictly due to artificial intelligence, but I'm curious, Sam. So if, are you if you're going to do a run through of like the legendary edition, what's oh. your class? Oh, 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 my God. Oh, why would you do this to me? This is Yeah, yeah, so... I'm doing it. OK, so I like playing with a lot of biotics. So I'm, okay. Okay, I'm not going to pick one specific class because that's just mean. But I do tend to play really heavy, like a biotic player, because yeah. blowing stuff up with your hand is just super fun. Also, pointing and shooting like guns, not my strongest suit, which is why I always bring Garrus on my squad. He's my boy. Yeah. Um, and so he's got like sharpshooter tactics. It's great. I tend to play heavy biotics. And then I usually bring a Krogan with me because who doesn't love a tank? So that's usually yeah. my go to firing squad. That's the answer I'm giving. <laughs> nice. I, I, I'm almost always infiltrator tech really? and tech and guns. Yep. Oh, see, Cloak, I don't really do tech that much. For like the best. stuff, I should. Cloak, 
go around the side, shoot one of someone in the head with a gigantic sniper rifle. Works every fucking time. You know? <laughs> well, you no, and like, I have played video games together. You know my strategy is more run in, fuck shit up, worry about it later. Correct. Well, for instance, in, in Dragon Age, you're much more of the mage character, whereas I went yeah. for like, the, the you know, you prefer to blow goats up with fire. I prefer to stab goats in the ass. There's like, there's differences. There is differences, but you know, working together. Precisely. Well, that's why you need both classes, right? Exactly. Exactly. This is why it works. Yeah. So, but uh, again, I, I just, I commend, uh, I commend Bioware and Mass Effect and such for coming up with. They're one of the only like fictional things I can think of which came have come up with more than one version. I mean, again, barring your argument that the Reapers aren't true artificial intelligence, which, yeah, is a good it's a very good one. And I think there's definitely something to that. But they still have come up with multiple different sort of ideas for how artificial intelligence could possibly work. And I find that interesting. Absolutely. Like most the, the only other one I can think of. But even then, not really is there's Star Trek and data, but there isn't really another artificial intelligence because the Borg don't really count. So no. there's data and then that's it. And like, I don't think there's... there's really another series out there and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but that really shows you how nuanced the conversation around artificial intelligence and virtual intelligence can be and what no. different types of characters can spawn because we haven't even talked about Edie yet, but she's a full artificial yeah. intelligence. You're right. Let's get into her a bit because there is, in fact, you're right, a third artificial intelligence type in this game series, and that's Edie. Are you the best one? <laughs> okay, well, then I want you to throw you explain quickly who Edie is. Okay, so Edie, you first meet Edie in Mass Effect 2. Uh, yeah. She is on board the Normandy and she's first shown to be, she's at, I think at first she's actually a very sophisticated virtual intelligence until you unshackle her and we'll get into that later. But um, she's basically just assistance for the Normandy. She's supposed to help you like with tactical things, navigation. She provides information for you when you go on your missions. She likes to antagonize your uh, pilot Joker, which is always a lot of fun. And she's just this interesting, she's just a voice on the ship. And sometimes she's a little blue holographic ball that'll pop up on the Normandy and talk to you and you can have interactions with her. But yeah, yeah Edie is a fantastic character that goes on a journey with you. Yes. Yeah, she does. Because over the course of the games, you sort of essentially unlock her programming. Yeah, it's, I think it's in my... I have these games all kind of run together in my head. But I think it's towards the end of Mass Effect 2 where Joker has to unshackle Edie in order yeah, to get it's, out of the situation. Yeah, it's right near the end. Yeah, and that's when she kind of becomes her true artificial intelligence self because she was always artificial intelligence, but the way that she's presented to you at the beginning of the game, she has restrictions on what she can do. So she's not a true AI at the start. Or maybe she is. Yeah. You can make the argument that she is, and she's just been sort of boxed in. Yeah, yeah. It's is is she? I think the idea is that she was always an artificial intelligence, but that she had she had limitations assigned. She had limitations programmed into her, which yeah, is a limit. Kind of. 
put in. Yeah, which is a limit of sort of all artificial intelligences, which is uh, that that is possible, even for something that is completely independent itself because of its synthetic nature, things can be added to it to prevent it from being completely sort of prevent it from being completely free. Well, I mean, she's a powerful AI in the game, but she's not like an ancient AI from beyond time and space, you know, like, so no, it's, it's not totally, it's not totally surprising that she's, uh, that she gets corrupted. (laughs) No, but she's so, but, uh, but then, but yeah, she ends up developing a personality and in fact ends up developing a uh, relationship. She develops a relationship with a gentleman by the name of Joker, played by Seth Green, who's great. Who, and, and it's great because like he was, he always referred to Edie as it, never she and her. He was very yeah. staunchly against Edie. He was staunchly against the idea of artificial intelligence on the Normandy at all so the fact that they sort of develop this romance as the game goes on and it's just you're like ah, you feel feelings for it yeah exactly she's she, she well she becomes a person she's very much a person exactly and it's this nice evolution sort of like the ones that you take with the guests where it's like Edie is just this voice on the ship and then Edie gets a body Sorry, spoilers. Edie gets a body. Uh, yep. And then Edie becomes more like a person. Edie can come with you on missions. And it just becomes layered and cool. And by the end of the game, I would argue that Edie is very much a character, not just a voice. Yeah, absolutely. She, Yeah, she's a full-fledged, she becomes a full-fledged person. Yeah. There's conversations that you have with Edie that are interesting. Edie starts cracking jokes. She teases Joker. And it just shows layers of thought to Edie that are really, really fun and interesting to uh, to explore. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And she's, again, a completely different version from the other two. She's not a distributed intelligence. Her body is not the location of her intelligence. She's still no. sort of a networked intelligence insofar as she essentially connects to her own body through Wi-Fi. But essentially. Yeah, she remains completely different and, in fact, probably the most human of all of the artificial intelligences would be herself. Absolutely. And I think it's also through her desire of wanting to understand Joker or Jeff um, that helps her sort of along that journey, too, because she wants to understand him and she wants to understand people in general. So that sort of helps drive that forward momentum that she has in the game because when you first speak to Edie she's very much you can it's just you're talking to a computer program and by the end of the game when you're talking to Edie it's night and day in my opinion yeah absolutely no absolutely her her character very much evolves over the course of the game and you see that happen you you very much witness like you very much see the care the character itself develop as sort of as an understanding but in in a very i'd say like sort of data-esque way in understanding the nature of organic life and such more exactly less about like the introspection of her own existence it's more so her wanting to understand shepherd crewmates jeff people 
how people like live when you see them together on Omega, and it's just yeah. you're like they're on no, the well, yeah, You're right. That that's I love how you said that. That's a very interesting point. They're both the Geth and her both serve different. They're both different versions of artificial intelligence stories, but they serve different purposes. The guests are the artificial intelligence discovering itself, and Edie is the artificial intelligence discovering how to relate with everything else. That was perfectly put how you did that, because you're right. It's both, they're both, because of the nature of games and how large of a story you can tell and how much time you have to tell, they're able to tell both of those stories concurrently, as opposed to choosing like one or the other, like you would have to in an episode of something, for instance. And exactly. yeah, it does both of those while also, also telling the concurrent story of the like Terminator style genocidal AI yeah. with the Reapers the, the, you can, you can fit them all into one, into certain, into one thing. There's a reason you can play any of these games four or five times. And there's still things that you'll find where you're like, I didn't know that. It's yeah crazy yeah exactly and it's i love the storytelling that bioware is able to accomplish too because in this game they don't hold you by the hand and go this is this and then this led to this like they don't go like the protheans created the reapers and then the reapers created this and then it's just it's all this massive universe that you can explore or not explore at your own desire and depending on how deep you go and look at these things is how you make the connections between how all of this kind of connects to each other. Yeah. I love this game so much. I'm such a jerk. Yeah, yeah. no, but it's pretty good. It's, 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 it, 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 it's one of the finer examples of how storytelling yeah. can be better through games than it can through not better is perhaps the wrong word, but more involved of yeah. necessity. You can be more involved with a game than even the most, like even some of the longest running television series, you know, you can have like 50, 60 hours worth of a television series, right? You can, you, there's easily, easily 200, there's hundreds of hours worth of game. Now that's not all story focused, no, but there's hundreds of hours worth of storytelling within mass effect like just hundreds of it because that's that's the joy that's how you can do it because you 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 can just layer in as much you can layer in as much as you want it doesn't matter exactly and like you can spend hours exploring and going to different planets and surveying or you can be like i'm gonna go to this planet and i'm gonna go kick some stuff in the teeth for an hour it's absolutely up to you and that's so beautiful yeah Okay, so nerdy Mass Effect question for you because I yeah. sort of said, who's your go-to fire team? I know this doesn't have to do with virtual or artificial intelligence, but I just want to know. Depends on the game. Okay. Um, Mass, obviously, Mass two. two. Yeah, because it's a different uh, cast. Actually, no. Let's go uh, one, two, three. Okay, one easy. Um, Garrus, because he's Garrus. Uh, yeah. And then, depending on the mission, either uh, Garrison Liara usually. Fair. It's, I, it's yeah. nice to have. It's nice to have the biotics, and then it's nice. Then two, two, it can change around a lot because it depends on what you're facing. If you're in a mission that has a shitload of guests, you should always have Tally because she'll just fuck them up. Yeah. But otherwise, like Grunt's always useful. Oh, I love um, Grunt. 
grunts always useful and then really it it's because it's always useful to have a tank and then it sw swaps around it depends on what you need if there's like a lot of armor needs to be shredded again tally or something like that if there's a lot of like uh just sort of straight combat garris is useful otherwise like sometimes the, the sometimes jack is useful for biotics but really it's a grunt and then whoever else fits that's totally fair and then I mass effect three yeah, Mass Effect 3, again, it's Garrus all the time just because he's the fucking damage king. Like, he'll just... Again, the best defense like, is... You're, you're, he's your best friend. Like He's your no boy. Who, he's your boy. There's no one who yeah. has your back like Garrus. Like, no. But I, he's I, also, from a purely mechanical point of view, he's a fucking, like, abs he, you know, he personifies the best defense as a good offense because he just absolutely ravages like enemies through with damage he destroys them yeah yeah absolutely he's just he's uh the moment in mass effect 2 where like you reunite with him is still probably one of my favorite video game moments of all time yeah <laughs> it, was, it gives me chills every single time and i can't wait to play it when i play the legendary edition because now i get to see it in hd nice yeah yeah that'll be fun <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun this is gonna be so good okay and then mass spec three yeah we went through it garris and then uh again sort of whoever fits but often uh often liara because then it's like a good combination of she's got the biotics garris has the guns and then i have like the tech and the other guns that's true you play a way more balanced loadout than i do because i usually bring garris guns my Krogan for tank and then I'm biotics and then I'm usually severely lacking in tech and it kind of yeah. shows it kind of shows with how my playthroughs go <laughs> <laughs> yeah I generally go pretty balanced with like an emphasis on a lot of damage is usually how it goes fair enough I think that's probably going to wrap it up basically yeah Mass Effect, a great way to tell the story, multiple different AI stories simultaneously, and each one sort of more or less embodies a certain element of artificial intelligence stories that you'll acquire, that you'll see in other medium. Check it out. You guys should uh, definitely, definitely see this, uh, play this game. It's they're they're worthwhile. They're they're a lot of fun. They're worthwhile. Don't let the internet sway you. The ending of three is frustrating. The entire trilogy at whole is a work of art. So just play it. Yeah, it's still worthwhile. Absolutely, it's still worthwhile. Like, a, like the last hour of a game doesn't negate the ride that you will take through the three in the series. So, absolutely play it. And on that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for coming on, being nerdy with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for letting me talk about basically my favorite thing ever to talk about. Joe, no worries. I'll always <laughs> down. If you ever want to watch uh, poetic about Mass Effect Andromeda, you know where to find me. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe next season we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll punish we'll punish the listeners with that. Oh my goodness! And thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it again. I encourage you go out and give this, these a try. It's, it's just for a storytelling perspective. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And as always, if you enjoyed what you heard, please uh, head over to uh, rate my podcast and uh, give us a rating. Can be good, can be bad if you really feel it, but yeah, I'd prefer it was good, obviously. And you can always go and find us on Twitter at RocketmanTFGC. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Let me ask you something. 
Do you watch wrestling? Either way, I have a podcast I want you to check out. Smart and Friends is the wrestling podcast that's not just for wrestling fans. Sometimes we watch wrestling with content creators or emerging artists who don't watch wrestling. Other times we'll invite a wrestler to talk about their interesting projects outside the squared circle. Or maybe we'll do something else entirely, as long as we think wrestling fans and people outside of our fandom will get a kick out of it. Catch Smart and Friends from the Two Finger Guns Club wherever you catch your podcasts. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.